The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. So I mentioned earlier this week that there's something uh, palpable in the air that feels different since Joe Biden won the presidential election, even though Joe Biden is not yet the president. Just something feels like we're starting to have a shot at no longer being a laughingstock globally and getting back on a better path. And it's sort of a vague thing. But there's something not vague that is very quickly changing, which is that the world is starting to ignore Donald Trump. There's still months until Joe Biden is actually inaugurated as president of the United States. And even though Donald Trump has refused to concede the election and is talking about legal fights and lawsuits and he really won and all of this stuff, um, the world is already dealing with Joe Biden as the adult in the room and is starting to just ignore Donald Trump. And it is extremely triggering for Donald Trump. The Biden transition team is moving along. Biden launched his own coronavirus task force. They've already met world leaders are calling Joe Biden and talking to him about the future. Boris Johnson said he spoke uh, to Joe Biden and it was refreshing. But on the other side of the equation, you were seeing Donald Trump just being ignored earlier in the week. Fox News cut away from his press secretary, Kaylee McEnany. That was, I think, Monday for wildly repeating baseless voter fraud allegations. They're just tired of it. The leaders of major allies like Germany and the United Kingdom and Israel have congratulated and welcomed Joe Biden. Joe Biden has announced key appointments and they're being dealt with by the serious media as appointments by a president elect, not some guy who hasn't really won. This uh, applies to the coronavirus task force. Joe Biden's selection yesterday, the day before yesterday of Ronald Klain as uh, chief of staff. So this is not the world that Trump wants to be real, but it is real and media outlets are covering it. World leaders are now dealing with Biden. Many Trump staffers are privately saying the entire contesting the election thing is pointless. Courts have so far found all of Donald Trump's various legal challenges to be completely spurious and without merit. And social media platforms are also more aggressively flagging Donald Trump's completely unhinged posts as election related misinformation. Look at newspapers around the world after reporting the election results. Newspapers have moved on from Trump. Newspapers around the world are discussing Joe Biden's possible cabinet, Joe Biden's possible foreign policy. How would a Joe Biden presidency affect our relationship, meaning these other countries relationships with the United States. And the contrast is just stunning. Trump is tweeting that he won stuff and suing people while Joe Biden announces policy advisors, staffers and more. Trump tweets bo uh, bogus voter fraud conspiracy theories. Well, meanwhile, Biden's holding a coronavirus task force meeting. So let's keep the focus on moving forward. Let's not indulge the possibility that there will be any other outcome. But at the same time, let's remember that there are what, 71, 72 million people that voted for Donald Trump. Many of them like to moonlight as militia members. Many could spill out into the streets if this continues. And what we have to hope for as Trump fires people and has who knows what up his sleeve, if anything, we have to hope that our institutions are more solid than uh, a few people that Trump is moving around during the transition. And once we get past it, we get past it and it's over. 
unless Trump runs in 2024. But we're not even dealing with that right now. So again, Trump threatening to leave the country if he loses, saying it's rigged, filing lawsuits, firing dissidents or even people not completely on board with what he says. These are all actions that around the world we've seen done by some pretty bad people over the last hundred plus years. Uh, but in the end, Trump is going to go. Now, one other thing, Donald Trump has not been taken totally seriously by the media and leaders of many countries, his entire presidency. Folks who never look at foreign coverage of Trump may not know this, but Donald Trump was not taken seriously by the newspapers and media outlets of many countries. Trump has been ignored now for years in many areas, climate and others. Trump has been one of the least covered U.S. presidents in Europe in a long time because he's been a joke. So for some countries, it's not that they're talking about Biden instead of Trump. They just weren't talking about Trump. They're going back to talking about an American president as someone that they can work with, as someone that they can actually deal with in a reasonable way. That's a very good thing for the United States. I've talked before about the mind virus that is Trumpism. And I've talked about the very real impact that watching Fox News and listening to Trump has on people. An economist YouGov poll finds that 86 percent of Trump voters believe Joe Biden has not legitimately won the election. Eighty six percent of Trump voters fell for the Trump voter fraud scam, which, according to reports we got yesterday, Trump doesn't even really believe and is using just to pay off campaign debt. Trump built this up for months, saying it will be rigged. Voter fraud is for a voter. A vote by mail is fraudulent, etc. And it worked in a Washington Post poll. More than 75 percent of Trump voters believe Trump should not concede. So Trump does have the support of his base to continue not conceding, which is a reminder is merely a formality. Concession is not legally relevant. Now, even more interesting is that when asked whether Trump should contest the results of the election in court, about 85 percent of Trumpists believe Trump should go to court. Remember, tr the latest is Trump doesn't even think it will work. And when asked whether it will work to change the election results and hand Trump a victory, Trumpists are marginally more realistic, but 60 percent of Trump voters believe what Trump is doing will get him a second term. I really need you to understand that what we are seeing right now, even though Joe Biden is moving forward with appointments and his transition team, a coronavirus task force, the election is over. Foreign leaders are calling Joe Biden. They're already setting up transition with Joe Biden. More than half of Trump voters expect that Donald Trump will be inaugurated to a second term on January 20th. This is a mind virus. Donald Trump succeeded not in winning the election, but in using months of rhetoric about mail in ballot fraud and rigged elections to convince most of his supporters that it was rigged and that Joe Biden didn't really win. But then we really need to get to the next part, which I mentioned earlier this week. If you watch Fox News at night, every anchor is saying this stuff. It was stolen. There was fraud, illegal votes, illegal ballots. If you only get your news from Fox News and you look at Trump's Twitter, why would you think anything else? Their go to news sources are telling them exactly that. And 86 percent of Trump voters fell for it. Eighty six percent of Trump voters is more than 60 million people. 
60 million people think Joe Biden didn't really win. These are doctors, your kids, teachers, accountants, waiters, truck drivers. You don't get 60 million from, you know, unemployed basement dwelling Al Qaeda. If you understand what I'm saying now, if you went and you interviewed some of these 60 million and you asked them, oh, OK, you think Trump actually won. By the way, why did you vote for Trump? What first term successes are you most proud of? What issues did you care about? Their answers will make no sense. And then you'll have a better understanding of how 86 percent fell for this voter fraud uh, uh, storyline. But I want to go back to where we started the week on Monday. As ignorant as they may be, as unempathetic as they may be, whatever you want to say about these people, whatever you want to believe about these people, there's 72 million of them. Okay. Biden barely won when it came to the margins in the key three states that ultimately won this for him. We have to do something about those Trumpists. I don't yet know what the answer is. And some people wrote to me saying you really should be presenting a solution. Well, I don't have one yet. I'm being upfront. I don't know. This is a real problem. It's a mind virus. Okay, 72 million, 60 million believe that Trump actually won. I don't yet know the answer, but as soon as I have some ideas, I will come to you. We've been wondering, what is Trump thinking right now? Is he thinking is Trump so delusional that he really thinks he can steal the election from Joe Biden? There's a new report from NBC's Peter Alexander, which is that Trump knows he can't win. He's putting on a show. Peter Alexander tweeting yesterday morning, quote, Trump is very aware there is not a path to victory, but he believes the 72 million who voted for him deserve a fight. So he's battling as a form of theater for them. A top White House aide tells me. So I, I believe this. Understand the multi level scam that this is. First of all, Trump has Republicans running all over the country claiming they have a shot. Rudy's in Philadelphia, Eric Trump's in who the hell knows where. Uh, he's got Secretary of State Mike Pompeo saying we're going to have a second Trump uh, administration. Press Secretary Kayleigh McKenney saying, you know, every this is all, it's all fraud. Is this all an act where everyone knows it's fake or does Trump think it's fake, but all of his sycophants believe it's real? I don't know. Next uh, layer of the scam. Trump is raising money on this. So even if Trump believes this is all theater in terms of winning, Trump is really raising real people's money. OK, for recounts and for legal challenges. And that's the scam. Because the fine print of Trump's election fraud fundraising is that 50% of the money you give goes not to lawsuits and recounts. 50% of the money you give goes to paying off Trump's campaign debt. There are many Trump supporters, many on fixed incomes, many with low incomes who really can't afford to be giving Trump money. And this is not nanny state stuff where I think someone should protect them. The president is scamming them. It's just. The president shouldn't be scamming them. That's it. It's not about regulation. If Trump knows he can't win and he realizes that this is theater, he's raising millions of dollars from people who potentially can't afford to be donating to Trump, who are donating because they think it might help him win. And Trump himself, according to Peter Alexander, doesn't think this is going to make a difference. He's scamming people to pay off his campaign debt. Now, I know, you know, a fool and their money are soon parted and all of that stuff. But there are more and more aides coming forward now and saying there's not even really the idea of a plan here. This is a straight up scam. Trump aides and advisors and allies have said there's no grand strategy here. He'll file a lawsuit. He'll send a tweet, whatever. There's no strategy. And according to The Washington Post, quote, 
asked about Trump's ultimate plan, one senior administration official chuckled and said, you're giving everyone too much credit right now. They're just lying to people. They know they're lying to people and they don't care. And it's not just that they're hurting people by taking their money. They're also hurting the United States. They're hurting our election process. They're hurting our democracy. And along the way, he continues to make the United States a laughing stock. And he is very clearly I mean, it's a commitment at this point. Donald Trump is committed to making the United States a global laughing stock. Not I, I would argue not just until January 20th when Joe Biden becomes president, but probably well beyond that. Uh, and it is uh, it, all of our, you know, going back to 2015, 2016, all of our worst fears about Donald Trump, all of our concerns about how wacky he might be as president, how disastrous they were understated. We've talked before about this bogus uh, term Trump derangement syndrome used to dismiss criticism of the president saying, oh, you people are so hyperbolic. Um, almost no one was hyperbolic enough about the presidency of Donald Trump. That's the reality. It's starting to wrap up, and that's a very good thing. Um, a little bit later today, I am going to talk about what can Joe Biden get done if he doesn't get the Senate? Will Trump really run again in 2024? What's next for the Republican Party? A lot of very important questions we will deal with later. I'm glad you're here. Follow me on Twitter at D Pacman, and we will be back right after this. The David Pacman Show at DavidPacman.com. When you see me sitting here at the microphone, oftentimes I'm wearing a shirt by a company called Teddy Stratford. And I love these shirts so much that I asked Teddy Stratford to be a sponsor of the show. And here's why I like their shirts so much. With other slim fit button up shirts, you often get this weird looking gap between the buttons where it looks kind of stretched out. But Teddy Stratford actually has a patented zipper that's hidden underneath the buttons, which secures the shirt against your chest so it doesn't look stretched. And most importantly, it just provides a nicer looking fit overall. And the entire shirt is specially designed to really improve the way your upper body looks when you're wearing it. It also has a special type of collar that prevents it from drooping down and spreading open, which is another really great thing about these shirts. All of these things really do a lot to make a big difference when you're looking at a shirt. And that's why I like to wear Teddy Stratford shirts on the show. Go check them out at davidpackman.com slash Teddy. The link is in the podcast notes and they'll give you 15 percent off your first order. If you use the coupon code Pacman at checkout, that's P-A-K-M-A-N. I want to take a second to tell you about one of our sponsors, S&H Masks. S&H Masks has everything you need when it comes to face masks and other protective gear for covid-19 and they're giving my audience 20% off. SNH Masks is the company that I've personally been going to for face masks. I love and trust the products they sell and that's actually why I reached out to them about being a sponsor. I've tried tons of different face masks this year like many of you and I still have not found a mask that is more comfortable or easier to breathe in than the washable cotton masks that they sell. It's made of a silky lightweight cloth that feels great on the skin, has a convenient adjustable strap, and it features a disposable five layer particle filter made of activated carbon. 
They also have disposable cloth masks, which are really comfortable, as well as all of the other gear like face shields, alcohol wipes, no touch infrared thermometers. And all of their prices are very reasonable. I also love SNH masks because they've donated over 60,000 masks to healthcare institutions. They're an excellent company. Shipping is just five bucks and shipping is free on orders over one hundred and fifty dollars. You can get there by going to davidpackmancom slash mask. The link is in the podcast notes and you can save 20 percent on everything in their store when you use coupon code David. The David Pakman Show at davidpackman.com. Remember that a membership at joinpacman.com always the best way to support your favorite or least favorite or second favorite or third favorite show wherever we fall on the ranking. Sign up at joinpacman.com coupon code fresh start. Let's take some calls through our discord uh, uh, channel uh, discord server at uh, davidpacman.com slash discord. We're going to go first to Joseph from Costa Rica. We've never had a call from Costa Rica. Joseph, you're on. What is on your mind today? Hi, yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, so I was actually going to ask if. Do you know if there's any president uh, of actually uh, the right now elected president of the U.S.? of deposing somebody in the Supreme Court or something like that because of the election of Amy Coney Barrett. I, I don't know what you're, you're you, I don't understand the question. You're saying, is there a president who's who can depose a Supreme Court justice? Yeah, like actually removing her or no, they did. You'd have to, you'd have to go through the, impeachment. You'd have to go through impeachment of a Supreme Court justice. Oh, so that's actually possible. Do you see if there's any possibility of actually Joe Biden doing that? No, not at all. <laughs> Sadly, no. Uh, I think it's much well, more likely if Joe Biden wants to do something with the court, uh, it, it, he he would sooner expand the court, add justices than he would get a. Um, and remember, the impeachment process goes through the House and Senate. So ultimately, it's not mm -hmm. up to Joe Biden anyway. OK, yeah, yeah that's actually pretty bad. But well, at least right now, there's a little bit of hope. Yes, right. Yeah. No, I think that that battle has been lost, but there are other things Joe Biden could do. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, David. Hope you have right. a great day. Joseph from Costa Rica. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, we are taking calls through discord at davidpackmancom slash discord. We are going to go next to um, we're going to Loki from Florence. Now, that's Florence where Florence could be in a lot of different places. Uh, that's actually in Florence, Kentucky, so northern Kentucky area. What's going on? Uh, not much. I've been watching quite a bit um, now. Just kind of I know for probably about the last two weeks, I've really been watching your live streams, kind of looking at a lot of different stuff and what all's going on. So I just kind of wanted to gauge something by it or at least double check. So just kind of watching both sides and the way that this is all advancing and progressing. I know both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party, they have a lot of issues that they're going to have to go through because Trump's presidency is basically combined with a lot of people. Do you see there being any sort of conflict, military and or otherwise, 
in between the parties. A military conflict between the Republican and Democratic parties, you're saying? Yes. Um, no. What would that even look like? I mean, who who would be controlling the military? Who would be directing the military? That's a fair point. I do know that there are several militias, at least, that are uh, kind of practicing, I guess. I don't. Oh, OK. OK. No, no. But so now that's a, you're, you're asking a different question. So it sounds like you're asking. Is it conceivable that I mean, I'm guessing you mean pro Trump militias because that's that's the but th those are the militias that there are. It would would like a pro Trump militia go so crazy that the military is out in the streets fighting the pro Trump militia. Correct. OK, that's marginally more likely. I still find I, I still think it's relatively unlikely, but that is marginally more plausible than than the first scenario, which I think I just misunderstood. Yeah, I'm kind of doing two or three things at once, but that's my problem there. Sorry. I, I'm curious, what what else are you doing? Because your phone connection, it, it's very interesting. Your voice, it almost sounds like you have a voice modulator on. Oh, I've actually got my Bluetooth headphones on. I'm actually kind of cleaning dishes and listening. Ah, <laughs> uh, gotcha. Okay, maybe that. It may be that. Well, listen, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. All right. And is there a siren going off in the background? Uh, it could be. I actually live right down the road from a uh, police station and a fire station. Ah. So we're, it's been going off 24 seven around here. Wow. Like it's always. All right, my friend, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. OK, it sounds like sounds like he's gone. Let's go next to Tiffany, Tiffany from unknown location. Where are you calling from today? Um, South Carolina. South Carolina. What's going on there? Um, well, they won Trump. <laughs> yes, and they got him, didn't they? They definitely won. Yeah, um, I'm new to all this. Um, I just, it's a lot going on here. A lot of conservative views. Um, yes. They're definitely trying to get the voter fraud and everything under play. I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on all of that? Well, my thoughts are, you know, they say let the courts have a say. So far, everything that's been brought to courts, courts have found to be without merit. They say networks don't call elections. That's always the case until the election is certified. But Trump was glad to have networks call it in 2016. Um, I mean, it's it's all so far. You know, they say in Pennsylvania, we were too far from the ballots to observe what was going on. But yet we were close enough to see that there was signature fraud happening. It's like, how could both be true? But I'm curious, mm -hmm. like in South Carolina, are you is this a topic of conversation? Like if you go to the corner store or the grocery store or wherever, is there are people just saying like, yep, Joe Biden, he just he had it stolen. He didn't really win. Is that happening um, there? Well, I mean, you may not hear it verbatim, verbatim you know, like not just randomly, but they tend to be a bit more. Republican. South yes. Carolina. Yes. No, that's a that's an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but hey, I mean, everybody, I mean, they have their opinion. You know, I can't, you know, everybody has the right to choose. But I, I was just curious, I'm like, is he some people say I've heard he's not going to get reelected. Some say mm -hmm, you just wait, wait and see. It's they're going down. And once I, I know that there are all of these ideas of like, could Trump do it? Is there some could Trump, uh, you know, uh, use the Pentagon to then use the military to stage a coup or something like that? Um, 
I, I, I just think the answer is no. I, I think we shouldn't even buy into it. Joe Biden has a transition team. Joe Biden right. has a coronavirus task force. He will be making some uh, cabinet um, uh, appointments. I just think we, we're moving forward. You know, that's it. Right. Right. Whether he concedes or not. <laughs> now, Tiffany, yeah. is your family you. all uh, anti-Trump or are there some Trumpers uh-huh. in your family? No. Well, my, my family is more for the Democratic. My husband's side is Republican. So but we, we get along. Really? And now, now is your husband, have... did your husband vote Trump or is he a Biden Republican? Oh, he's no, he's for Trump. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and it's not a conflict with you for you guys. I mean, no, he's, he's no. I mean, we, hey, we great. Have our memory, surprisingly, yeah. And do you, uh, does he say what issues led him to vote for Trump? Well, I, I think it's just a matter of he's always been very political from when he was a kid. So, I mean, he grew up in you know, his, his mom was Republican. His dad kind of changed to Republican. So he's so it's more like he's culturally conservative. And so he just voted right. for Trump without really thinking about the issues. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And I, I grew up more democratic, <laughs> but, right. you know, I, I, I tend to think I'm not, I don't, I don't like parties, like mm-hmm. labeling myself. I don't know if I'm more, I just kind of thought, cause I am a Christian obviously, but I, 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 I I'm open to things. You know what I mean? Did you so said you, you said you are a Christian. I'm open to different things. I'm not, not negative wise, but I'm not, I don't I just don't view I don't like to be labeled, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. Now, now, what, was it important to you that Joe Biden is religious? Um, my viewpoints, I, I believe in morals and values, but I also believe in justice and the way things I just I always felt there's going to be sort of a equality there with all these different rights. I, I do. I hear different viewpoints and they're saying this is going to happen since he's been elected. I haven't seen a riot the first. I don't know if that's some coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> is, yes, that that is interesting for sure. Well, we'll, we'll see. Very you interesting. Know, Tiffany. Like well, it sounds stuff. like uh, I mean, listen, you're you're making it work with a Trump supporter. I think that that's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> OK, yeah. Tiffany, thank you so much for the call. All right. Bye bye. All right. Take care. Tiffany married to a Trump supporter. Wow. Let's go next to um, where are we going? Let's let's go to hold on where we have so many people popping up. Let's go to Juan from Phoenix, Arizona. Juan, what is going on? Hey, what's up, David? How you doing? I love, I'm good. I love your show. By Thank the you. way, no problem. I, I'm just curious about your opinion on people like uh, John Kasich and the Lincoln Party grifters all attacking progressives, even though progressives won overwhelmingly and progressive policies won overwhelmingly on Election Day. Absolutely. I actually did a segment earlier this week, which is on the podcast already, but we're saving it for the weekend on YouTube. And it's called These Republicans Are Not Your Friends. And, you know, Mitt Romney, big anti-Trump Republican Mitt Romney, two days after the election, he was on TV saying, hey, listen, my priority is stopping Medicare for all, 
stopping tax increases, stopping business regulation, making sure no one stops gas and oil. John Kasich, as you're pointing out, anti-Trump, Republican, defiant and principled, goes on TV, says, you know, the, the Joe Biden better not let any progressives influence his policy. So much like we predicted, these are not our friends. We use them to the extent that they're useful for getting rid of Trump. We got rid of Trump. They're going right back. You know, the debt, the deficit, all this stuff. These are not our friends. Full stop. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100 percent. I just I just think it's interesting. And then watching AOC try to fight back against it. I'm yeah. just worried that a, the progressive party is going to take a big hit if the entire establishment decides that it's bad. The, the progressive that you're saying the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Yeah, yeah. And but a majority of the Democratic Party don't even like the progressive wing of it. So I, I I'm worried about the progressive or the progressive wing of that party. Yeah, no, that's you're you're we talked about that on the Wednesday bonus show and we're going to keep talking about that. But this is this is an important issue. Um listen, I don't want to hold you up. It sounds like you're writing a term paper, so I'm gonna let you go, okay? I appreciate it, David. No Love problem. Yep. A lot of uh, feverish uh, typing going on there. We don't wanna there seems like important work is happening and we don't want to get in the way of that. Let's go to Susan. Now it says Susan from L.A. Is that Los Angeles? Is that Louisiana? From Los Angeles. Susan from Los Angeles. What's going on? Oh, um, what did you? Um, I was trying to connect yesterday, but I was wondering about the um, how the McConnell, I think it was McConnell. They're now supporting Trump. Fine. Yeah, I mean, McConnell's playing. I mean, listen, yes, McConnell's disgusting and toxic, obviously. McConnell's kind of playing it a little bit coy by saying the president is entitled to uh, all of the legal recourse and to demand recounts and everything. I mean, I I'm wondering after it's certified. I'm wondering what happens after the certification, if Republicans will still keep kind of playing dumb. My guess is a lot of them after the certification on December 14th, will st will start just saying Joe Biden is the president. But for the time being, very few of them are straight up just saying, yeah, Biden won and he's the president elect. And it's pretty vile. And what's kind of um, oh, frustrating yet. It might be good is that. The Republicans, at least they're fight. You know, we didn't fight for Gore enough and how we conceded so early. Yeah, I mean, to a they humiliating to degree, that. Republicans are just continuing, continuing, continuing. Mm -hmm. And you can say that that's virtuous or that it, that it's humiliating. I guess it depends on the situation. But yeah, obviously, I would have liked to have seen Democrats fight more in 2016 with Merrick Garland, with Amy Coney Barrett. But this is the situation as it stands today. Yeah. Listen, Susan, what part of L.A. are you in? I'm right by the airport. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I can hear the planes flying in. I love it. It's called Westchester. Westchester, like in New York's Westchester. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I love all right, it. Susan, I hope to be back in L.A. once it's all settled down, you know. That'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Susan, thank you so much. We're going to take a quick break, but if you're holding on to talk to me, Please don't hang up. Don't hang up, my friends, because I'm going to be going back to the phones momentarily. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com.
I want to let you know that our sponsor Vincero watches is having a massive holiday sale on all of their products right now, and you can take advantage of it by going to davidpackmancom slash watch a brand new high quality wristwatch really is the perfect way to add something fresh to your style, whether it's for you or a gift for someone else. Vincero is a brand that has a serious dedication to the craft of watchmaking, which is really evident when you look closely at their watches. I wear Vincero watches myself. Lately, I've been wearing one from their Icon Automatic collection. It's the mesh matte black watch, and I love the sleek, minimalist design. Their watches are actually sold at a fair price. Their mission has always been to make a wristwatch from high end materials, but one that everyday people can afford. And that's why they have over twenty five thousand five star reviews, because you won't find a better made watch for this great of a price anywhere else. You can get big holiday discounts on all of their products right now and free shipping when you go to davidpackmancom slash watch. I've put the link in the podcast notes. Privacy.com is one of our sponsors, and they're giving you five dollars just for using their free service at privacy.com slash Pacman. Privacy is a service I've been using for a while now. I love it. It saves me a bunch of headaches. It's completely free and it's very quick to set up. And here's how it works. When you pay for something online or over the phone, instead of exposing your real credit card number, privacy lets you generate virtual card numbers. The payments are withdrawn from your checking account, but your real card number stays completely private and you do it all with one click. You can autofill the card number in your web browser on the phone. You can create 12 virtual cards a month. You can set spending limits, freeze them, delete them whenever you want. I especially love it for free trials where you need to give a credit card number because I can destroy the virtual card number as soon as I give it to the company and I know I won't be charged in the future. If you're ordering food over the phone, why do I need to give a restaurant my real card number? I don't have to. Companies don't have to know who you are. Your real credit card number is protected from the data breaches that happen, unfortunately, more often than we would like, and it's completely free. They do have a paid version with different tiers where you can create more virtual credit card numbers per month, cashback rewards, extra security features. But go ahead and sign up for the free service. It's a no brainer. Companies can't charge you unexpectedly. You're protected from identity theft. It costs you nothing. And privacy is giving you five dollars to spend just for signing up when you go to privacy.com slash Pacman. Welcome back to the David Pakman show. Let's go next to Abby from Idaho. Abby from Idaho, you're on the air. Hello? Yes, you're on. Hi, how are you David? How are you doing, David? Doing well, thank you. Um, so I actually live in Washington State right now. I'm in the the Navy, so I'm stationed out here, but I was I was born in Idaho. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but we birthplace, residence, it's all fine. Yeah, I, I was just curious what, because um, I was talking some, to some of the guys I work with, which uh, most military mem- members are actually kind of libertarian more than I'd say Republican. Um, right. But I was asking them if they would accept court decisions on these voter fraud cases. Right. Um, and I kind of wonder what you think the Trump supporters are going to do, you know, when the courts obviously come back and say there's not any voter fraud. 
you think that they're going to accept if these state delegates decide to go for Trump, they're going to be, you know, on that bandwagon of you're talking uh, about faith, faithless electors, right? Yeah. Do you think that they're going to be on the faithless elector bandwagon or do you think that they're going to accept the election? I mean, so the, the, there are kind of two different questions. The first question is, if Joe Biden eventually if, if courts say they didn't find any voter fraud, there are going to be some Trumpists who say the courts are biased and there are some Trumpists who might accept it. OK, um, if you end up having a situation where there are faithless electors, my guess is a libertarian would say, hey, the, the electors are allowed to go the opposite way of their state if they believe that it is important to do so. So my guess is that the libertarian leaning folks you're talking about would be fine with it. I don't expect it to happen. I I think that, you know, we've had faithless electors in the past, but they've never reversed the results. And with such a margin for Joe Biden, you're not going to get 20 or even, you know, 36 potentially, depending how Georgia goes. You're not going to get that number. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what we talked about at work. And and I also feel really bad for some of these guys because they they are Republicans, but not necessarily Trump supporters. And they have a, you know, at least like a they can have thoughtful political discussion. And I I feel like these Trump supporters are kind of bringing down their ability to have like a reasonable discussion right now. You know, wait, you're saying you Uh, feel bad for anti-Trump Republicans? Yeah, I kind of do, because they they they're I do think that having difference to the political discourse is important. Right. I'm, I'm a progressive and I yeah. wish that everybody, you know, would be for Medicare for all and and all the things I want. But I realize it's not a reality, you know. Yeah, um, that's fair. I mean, I, I think, I, you know, I, let's let's keep everything in context. I feel worse for the families and victims of coronavirus than I do for anti-Trump Republicans who might be struggling <laughs> to have conversations right now. But the point is still well, taken. I understand what you're saying, that um, the pro Trump people they just want to shut everybody down. Anti-Trump Republicans, Democrats, progressives, everybody. Yeah. And, and I just wanted to think, uh, you know, I know all of your listeners, at least the progressive ones, are definitely abiding by social distancing and mask wearing. And, and you you Absolutely. may not realize this, but the, mil- the military is taking this stuff very seriously. I am aware um, of it. For, no, I am aware of it. Yeah. And for instance, like I got in contact with a guy at work who is COVID positive for like maybe all of five minutes. And because of that, I was stuck home for two weeks, you know, and right. we did a huge contact tracing at work, which is how everybody should be doing it, really. Um, but because of that, n- me and my sailors that work for me, we really can't even go home for the holidays. Right. So it, it really sucks to see these Republicans out there just, you know, freaking out about how much they love the military, but they they refuse to wear a mask. It, it hurts, you know, because they're the reason why I can't go home. Absolutely. See my mom. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. everybody who wants to you have people who want to open everything and yet they don't want to wear masks. It's like, wait, hold on a second. If everybody wore masks, we'd be doing much better. Much more could be open. Yeah. Well, thanks for talking to me about Wednesday. All have right. Abby from Idaho, currently in Washington state. Thank you so much. Excellent. Excellent. Excellent to hear from you. Let me go next to um, let's go to Adam from Irvine, California. Adam from Irvine. What's going on? Adam from Irvine, California, can hear background noise. You are on the air. Hello, can you hear? Just barely. It's not any better. Marginally. Are you running a buzz saw in the background? No, but my computer thing is about this class of quick question and you can hear everybody's comfort. I want to know what you think about Trump's are you are you using an electric shaver right now? My computer panel, I'm sorry. 
Was the question about Trump firing military advisors? Yes. Oh, OK. Listen, I'm going to take it off air because it's it's that's wild. Um, listen, I so Trump firing military advisors. There's kind of two questions. One, if he's out in nine weeks, why is he firing anybody? What difference does it make that? So that's that's sort of like one question. The other side of it is, is this part of a planned military coup? Um, I think this is just Trump's a petulant child and he's firing people who he's been at odds with and he would have fired them months ago were it not for somebody saying, hey, you know what? Um, you might want to wait until after the election. I, I perfectly to be perfectly honest, I think it's that simple. I don't think we should read much more into it. And, you know, there's people acting like uh, Trump's a criminal genius here, staging some coup by replacing Mark Esper. I, I just don't see it. I really don't. Let me go next to Connie from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Feliz Dia de los Veteranos. Muchas gracias. <laughs> so I am addicted to watching your show and mm. amongst everything else um, surrounding this mess that we're in. Um, but I have to wonder, as yes. far as the transition that has pretty much happened with every other um, president-elect in the past, mm -hmm. um, why is there no path around um, certain, certain blocks that they're encountering as far as the head of GSA, um, you know, making certain information available to Joe Biden. I, I'm really having a hard time understanding why it, it's just being why this is being allowed. So all of these things are different. So so the important thing is to separate out a lot of these different things. So Trump hasn't conceded. That's a formality. It doesn't relate to anything else. It doesn't change that he won't be president anymore on January 20th at noon. Then you've got the GSA question. Trump has not signed off and authorized GSA to sort of start involving the Biden elect camp in the transition. And um, that is an inconvenience. But as Joe Biden said earlier this week, it doesn't materially change anything. Now, Joe Biden is not currently the president, so he really can't do anything about that. But the important thing to understand is it won't change the fact that he will be sworn in on January 20th. So it's important to sort of divide these things up into which ones are just sore loser ish and which ones really have an impact. The one that for me is the most concerning is Joe Biden should be receiving the presidential daily briefing already. And he's not as of right now. Well, that Trump doesn't even read it. <laughs> well, sure. You're right. So at this. But but so to your point, we have a situation right now where Trump is miserable and hiding out at the White House and ignoring the PDB. Biden's not getting it. If I were a terrorist uh, uh, enclave in some other country, I would be aware that the U.S. is very vulnerable right now because they've got no one reading the PDB and you're going to get a president coming in on January 20th who will not have been receiving it unless something changes. So I think it actually puts our puts national security at risk. Well, and I think that it points out and brings to light that Donald Trump truly really does not have the country's best interests at heart. Never did. And he absolutely does not. You're completely correct about that. 
Right. Well, Kenosha's doing fine. Everything's okay here. Things Good. are still boarded up, but yeah, I'm glad to hear that, Connie. Thank you doing. for calling in today. Thank you very much. Love your show. Thank you. There's Connie from Kenosha. What a phone call. Um, I would even say maybe perfect phone call. I don't know. Let's see. Um, I guess there there might be a Trumpist from the Bronx holding. Is am I understanding that correctly? Are you a pro Trump person from the Bronx? Oh, uh, absolutely not. That's just that's just the name I chose. You're not a Trump supporter. Oh, not at all. Not oh, at okay. All. What what's going on? Well, I just I'm I'm you know being a, dem- a Democrat, it's kind of hard to date somebody who's that is you know a racist and and a hard far-right Republican. So I was wondering, how do you recommend we deal we deal with, with that situation when, you know, your your, your partner's family is, are Trumpers and are so far-right? Well, now let me ask you, your your partner's family or your partner as well? No, no, my, my girlfriend is completely Democrat. You know, she's okay. 100% on my side. Her dad used to be a cop. He actually got fired for, you know, using racist tactics. My God. And I am up in. So it's kind of difficult for me to interact with him. Yeah. So I'm wondering what kind of ways, it, you know, what kind of approach to take. So I'm understanding your, your girlfriend is not Latino. No, she is. She's 100 percent white. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, listen, uh, if if it were the actual partner, I don't think I could do it. You know, it's like if there's a difference over the degree to which the gender pay gap exists, it's like, listen, we can bridge that gap. That's no problem. If there is a difference over, you know, some nominal religious belief, I think that's fine. I, I think it would be very difficult to actually date a full on Trumpist. Now, the family, the family, I think, is manageable if you, if you, you, you know, think if you're careful and it's really about how important it is for you to maintain a relationship with her family. I mean, there's people in my girlfriend's family who are very conservative, evangelical. You know, we don't really see them um, just because of distance. But um, it's just, you know, you, you basically are just agreeing not to talk about politics. Is, is it now where it becomes difficult is sometimes there will be people, Trumpists, who even though everybody knows it would be better not to talk about politics, They, because it pervades their worldview, they can't help saying something racist or whatever. And you feel like I can't say nothing. But at the same time, if I respond, I'm starting a fight. Those situations are really difficult. I don't know how to manage them. Right. No, I agree with you. You know, Thanksgiving coming up. Yeah. Going to be difficult to be there. It's going to be a mess. It's going to be a mess. Now, I'm I wonder at the at multi at families that are split politically by Thanksgiving, are you going to have the Trump people insisting that Joe Biden is an illegitimate president? Because that's going to make for some awkward past the sweet potatoes moments, you know, (laughs) you're right. Well, thank you so much for your advice, dude. I I really appreciate you show. I'm enjoying it more than ever now. Thank you so much. I I really appreciate you calling in. Great to a great phone. Wow. What what phone calls today? Um, Let's go next to Talia from is it Raleigh or Raleigh, North Carolina? I always forget how it's pronounced. Yes. Hi. Hi. How are you? Great. It's so great to be talking to you, David. Likewise. Um. So I have an interesting idea that I'd like to run past you and see what you think. Sure. 
So recently you've seen like Democrats like Joe Manchin, who basically act like Republicans and get in the way of whenever Democrats can maybe do something. So I'm thinking we should run progressives in the Republican Party. I think our ideas would be great and it would cancel out people like Joe Manchin. And also, I think that it's important to not just play offense, but also play defense. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the Republicans do it. They definitely have a Republican and Democratic Party in Joe Manchin. And yeah, I was wondering what you think of that. I'd have to think about that. So the idea is instead of primarying Joe Manchin with a progressive in the Democratic primary, you run progressives in the Republican primaries. Everywhere. Um, I don't think we should just take over the Democratic Party. We should probably take over the entire government because. Yeah, but I just don't see Republican primaries going to progressives. I think I think it could. I think um, Republicans would take too many progressive ideas like we see in like Florida, where they're voting for minimum wage and um, these drug um, drugs running, you know, the the war on drugs. If we run on issues like that, I think we would get a lot of crossover. It's interesting. I I just I just don't I can't think of any place where a progressive would win a Republican primary. But let me think about it a little more. okay, Okay, Talia. Yeah. All right. Talia from North Carolina. Very much appreciate the call. That will do it for calls today. But fear not, we will take calls again in the future. The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com. If you love feeding your intellectual curiosity, but you're always struggling to find the time, check out one of my all time favorite apps called Blinkist. Blinkist lets you consume an entire book on your way home from work. They take thousands of popular nonfiction books, condense each one into text or audio that you can get through in just 15 minutes and you get all of the important core ideas and information from that book. It's perfect if you don't have enough time to do all the reading you want to do or if you just want to sample a book before you buy the entire thing. I recently read A Brief History of Time, of course, by the great Stephen Hawking. This is a book that I have been aware of for so long and other things got in the way and it was fantastic to check it out on Blinkist. Blinkist has books on politics, philosophy, science. They have 27 different nonfiction categories and a subscription is only about eight bucks a month and you get access to the entire library. But you can try it totally free and get 25 percent off a subscription when you go to Blinkist dot com slash Pacman. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Pacman. The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com. All right, let's get to some of your questions for the week. One that I got a bunch of times, including during live calls on um, uh, what day was that? Live calls on Tuesday uh, was is Donald Trump really going to run again in 2024? There have already been rumors swirling that Donald Trump supposedly is telling advisors he's going to run in 2024. First of all, we should sort of be skeptical of that, because if Donald Trump still exists in the state of denial in which he seems to be living, I don't know that he still is really believing that it's over. Only if you believe it's over, would you start thinking about 2024? So maybe he's been saying it. Maybe he hasn't. I think the, the there's a couple different ways to approach this. First of all, 
I kind of doubt it. He will be 78, almost 79 at inauguration. That would make him even older than Joe Biden is now. Joe Biden already the oldest president to be inaugurated into um, uh, the, the, the White House. So I think in the you know, Trump has what seems to be sort of adult ADHD. I think that over four years, Trump's going to um, a lot's going to happen to Trump and who knows what he will be doing from four years from now. I don't find it particularly likely. Secondly, we really can't control that right now. There's nothing we can do about that right now. And so I, I when the when callers ask me this, um, my, I will speculate today, but I am going to go back to what I was saying, you know, in 2017, when people asked me about 2020, I would say we have a midterm here that we have to deal with. So I think that we should not really worry about it at this point in time and take the approach of we'll deal with that when the time comes. Now, in terms of what the nominee and even the Republican primary would look like in 2024, with or without Trump, we need to see what happens to the Republican Party in the next two and four years. And we're going to talk about that next. But there are lots of names that and remember in 2012, if you had asked who's a likely Republican candidate, you weren't going to hear Donald Trump from too many people. So I say this knowing that we're terrible at figuring this stuff out. But in looking at what are possibilities, could a child of Trump run in 2024, Don Jr. or Ivanka? I think it's less likely with Trump losing, but it's possible. Marco Rubio all of a sudden seems to be acting as if he's already running for 2024 Republican nominee. Tucker Carlson is being mentioned by a lot of people. That one's actually scary to me because I think in today's environment, Tucker Carlson could actually win a Republican primary, which is really scary in four years. I don't know. Um, right wing extremist lunatic Tom Cotton's name is being mentioned. There's always the possibility of a former vice president running, which would maybe put Mike Pence in there. Uh, although he's so uncharismatic that it is hard to imagine, but it's within the realm of possibility. Ted Cruz is a name that continues to be thrown around and Sean Hannity calls him one of the greatest legal minds or something like that. So certainly it's somebody who would get a boost if the Republican Party decides to go the direction of a woman. Nikki Haley comes to mind years ago. I would have said, what about Condoleezza Rice as maybe the first um, Republican presidential nominee? I think Condi Rice, um, with her disagreements and distance with Trumpism, is is a less likely um, option for 2024. But maybe it could be Nikki Haley. Would Jeb Bush try to sweep back in and say, "Hey guys, let's go back to sanity"? Uh, my brother was sane. This is what he would say, and I will be sane. And you know, we can go back to just like boring evangelical type Republicans. These are all possibilities. It really is impossible to know at this point in time. I don't believe it's worth putting a lot of time into. We have uh, uh, objectives that are happening right now. The objective in the immediate is we have just under two months until there are two Senate runoff elections in Georgia that will determine who controls the Senate. That is where 98% of our efforts need to be, the other 2% just on keeping an eye on Trump and making sure he doesn't do anything too crazy in these remaining weeks. After that point, it will be a year of what is Joe Biden's first year pushing for him to get things done that are possible with a Democratic Senate if he has it without a Democratic Senate if, if he doesn't have it. And we'll talk about what those things are momentarily. We will then go right into the 2022 election and uh, that is going to start before you know it. We're probably, you know, 10 months from the from the early stages of 2022 election. 
And um, that if Democrats don't take control of the Senate this time, which remains to be seen, taking control of the Senate in 2022 will be a massive priority. And in fact, if Democrats don't get the Senate this time, getting the Senate in 2022 is what all of Joe Biden's first term successes, the major successes, legislative successes could ride on. So that will be massively important. And then when the time comes, we will get to talking about 2024. Uh, but I would not spend more time than is worth spending on it at this point in time. And this gets us right into question number two today. Uh, with Trump losing, what is next for the Republican Party? This is a question I've received dozens of times over the last week. The tougher question for me about the GOP is what happens in the next two weeks and two months. Do they back Trump? Do they all start saying it's time to resign? Does Trump try to do something crazy during the lame duck? And if so, do Republicans get in the way or do they just look the other way or do they help him do it? The longer question about Republicans seems pretty unambiguous to me. You've already seen clips. I've played them for you this week from Willard, Mitt Romney and John Kasich. They're immediately going back to standard Republican talking points. We have to block Medicare for all. We have to deal with the deficit, which they didn't talk about at all under Trump. Republicans are going right back to just being Republicans once Donald Trump is gone. It also has to be considered, and I dealt with this earlier in the week, Polk spent 10 minutes, 15 minutes talking about it. Democrats failed to get a large repudiation of Donald Trump. Donald Trump lost by thin margins in three to four states. Trump almost got reelected at the electoral level. And although Joe Biden's popular vote margin is great, Donald Trump got millions more votes than he got in 2016. 71 million votes for Donald Trump. When you get 71 million votes for your candidate, even if you lose, especially if you think it was stolen, you're not necessarily going to say we need to change everything we're doing. There may be changes at the state level. Uh, Georgia, uh, uh, looking at Georgia, looking at how close Texas was, you may see Republican strategy change within some states in really particular ways. But Republicans are going to continue to do well. And anyone who says otherwise maybe is not aware of the history of how quickly the two political parties bounce back from losses and even from big losses. This is not a big loss in the sense that Republicans are gaining in the House. They may even remain con retain control of the Senate and and Trump got 71 million votes. So with Republicans being better at the local level, with Republicans having better ground game generally, but not always, I am not expecting major changes in the Republican Party. I'm expecting the Republican Party to revert essentially back to what it was up until Donald Trump became the nominee. I would expect the Republican Party uh, to continue using their wedge issues, including those religiously tied issues like um, uh, abortion, less so gay marriage, but now it's religious freedom to raise money, although it may become a little bit more difficult over time. But I'm not expecting major changes other than a lot of Republicans who were with Trump for the last four years who will pretend they never were and even start to pretend Trump. Tr we don't need, we don't even remember Trump, really. That is what I am expecting from them. So I don't expect major changes to the Republican Party. I think the next two weeks and two months will be key in terms of who's with Trump and who is not with Trump. And the question of the Senate gets us directly into question number three today. What can Joe Biden get done without the Senate? Uh, as I've mentioned a dozen times this week, uh, 
control of the Senate is not yet determined. There are two runoff Senate races in Georgia, which will happen on January 5th. We'll be covering them very extensively. Um, if Democrats get both, it will be 50 50, making Kamala Harris as vice president the tie-breaking vote. Democrats could effectively control the Senate. But the question is, without the Senate, what can get done? Let's go through it. First of all, there's a long list of executive orders. A lot of the disasters Donald Trump got us into with executive orders, he can get us out of. Anything Trump did unilaterally, Joe Biden can undo unilaterally. And we've already talked about getting back into Paris climate, getting back into the WHO, getting rid of the military trans ban, reinstating the Dreamer program, uh, doing a lot with covid and he's already launched a task force. There's tons of agency stuff. You know, Trump has reorient reoriented the EPA to be weak. Joe Biden could reorient the EPA to be stronger, to protect the environment. Um, NASA was directed to stop studying climate. Joe Biden can get NASA to be studying climate again. Uh, so there, there is quite a bit that Joe Biden can do. Foreign policy. Biden can do a lot of a lot of foreign policy, things that aren't budgetary and thus need to go through the House and Senate. Um, but there's a lot of foreign policy fixing relationships, fixing a bunch of the trade stuff with China. If China is willing, maybe getting us back into the Iran nuclear deal. A lot of that can be done without controlling the Senate. The stuff that will be difficult is, you know, infrastructure, including green infrastructure. You need the House and Senate uh, tax reform, real health care reform. You're going to need the House and Senate for that unless you make deals with the devil, essentially, unless you make compromises that I can't imagine Joe Biden would want to do. And that would be sort of my one area of of caution, which is it's great for Joe Biden to talk about. I will be the president, whether you voted for me or not. I will be the president of the United States, not just of blue states rather than red states. It's great that Joe Biden is saying that it's great that Joe Biden is, you know, a guy who has been able to work across the aisle. These people are disgusting, though, these Republicans. And the idea that you're going to get your agenda done with their help is ridiculous. You you could maybe get Pyrrhic victories. The idea of a Pyrrhic victory is you win, but you do so much self-inflicted damage in winning that you end up wondering, is that really a win anymore? And the way that would work out as a Pyrrhic victory would be you get something done on paper, but the compromises you make damage the country in such a way that it ends up being a wash, for example. I think that's the risk of Joe Biden. I think there would be a, a naivete if Joe Biden really thinks he's going to work with these clowns. My hope is and I don't pretend to know. We'll see. And if it doesn't go this way, we'll criticize Biden. My hope is that Biden is using language of uniting the American people, but he is not naively thinking he's going to get a lot of this big stuff done by working with Republicans because they're just not going to work with him in any way that would approximate what we would call a leftward move. It remains to be seen. I'm not putting the cart before the horse. I will criticize it if it happens, but I am going to hope and lobby that Joe Biden accurately understands that these are not people that you can negotiate with uh, or, or that you can bargain with because you will just damage yourself. That's my sense right now. I'd love to hear your thoughts. We have a great bonus show today. You can get instant access by using the coupon code Fresh Start when you sign up at joinpacman.com. 